So good news, Penn State fans. The Nittany Lions are ready to contend for a national title next season, but there's a catch. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? My name is Zach Seiko. Thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And yes, Penn State is, in fact, a national title contender for 2023. There is a catch. There is there is some things that Penn State, they have to check off in the offseason here. And it's really just a couple notable key players here. But this is the takeaway episode for Penn State. Uh, eight takeaways from the Rose Bowl game against Utah. We'll go over those in the first two segments and then finish up recapping Penn State men's basketball's loss to Michigan on the road. Not the uh, greatest performance uh, by the Nittany Lions. There were some things to like, but clearly there's still a little bit of distance uh, between them uh, and the good teams in the Big Ten, the really good teams in the Big Ten. But it's early in the season. They can correct these things. Uh, So what does Penn State need to do ultimately to be that national title contender for next year? Because they're in a perfect position. I I explained that in the episode yesterday with JT of Locked on Utes. Uh, I I encourage you to go watch that back through and watch uh, each of our three segments. And I I do discuss that in depth. Uh, But Penn State is a surefire national title contender. They have all the pieces. The this Everyone on staff is coming back. You're not losing a Manny Diaz, who made the defense so much better. You're not losing Mike Yersich. Drew Allard takes over, and he's been sitting and learning and has that consistent coaching. That's so important. Jaywan Sider didn't go anywhere. Anthony Poindexter didn't go anywhere. You have all of your important coaches, your positional coaches to your coordinators, have all stuck around. So... Everyone's together. There's no lapse in consistency. You have not one, but two great running backs. And I'd even go to say you have three really quality ones if Kevon, if and when. I, I think I'm very confident that Kevon Lee is going to return. But Nicholas Singleton and, and Katron Allen should definitely be in the Heisman conversation. You're going to see a lot of more hype around Singleton because he's the home run hitter. But Katron Allen quietly is a number one back anywhere else. Uh, and, and we've had that debate. On this show, we've had that debate on episodes in the past of Katron Allen can be the guy one week that's allowed to happen. And Nicholas Singleton can be the guy another week. And that's what was the case in the Rose Bowl. But you look at Indiana, who was the guy was Katron Allen. You have your veteran tight ends as well. So to go along with uh, you, you want Drew Aller to have all the success in the world. Uh, well, he's got that with a solid ground game, but who's he going to throw to? We have veteran tight ends that are not only going to block for him and block for those running backs, Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson. It sounds like they're both going to be fine. They're going to be back. Theo Johnson has told Penn State reporters that he's leaning on coming back to Penn State. So that sounds pretty encouraging. So you're getting your second and third tight ends uh, back without Brenton Strange, but these guys could start anywhere else. Uh, This is also the best offensive line that James Franklin's going to have during his tenure. I mean, imagine that after all of the, well, Penn State's offensive line is a liability. This group's no good. They're going to struggle. When can we finally believe in them? And now we can't. And it's not only the starting five that I'm so assured of because Olu Fashion is a top 10 NFL future draft pick. Uh, You are losing Juice Scruggs, of course, but 
You get Hunter Norzad to plug and play at that center spot. You're going to get Landon Tangwall back. You're going to have Sal Wormley at 100% again. And then you're getting Caden Wallace back. Caden Wallace announced he's coming back. So you're getting uh, minus Juice Scruggs, the entire offensive line back together. But it's also the depth behind them because Wormley was banged up and Tangwall missed a big portion of the season. Um, and Hunter Norzad was hurt from time to time. Caden Wallace and Olu missed time. But you have J.B. Nelson. You have Drew Shelton who came in and had an instant impact as a true freshman and wasn't a liability on that offensive line. He didn't make them worse. I mean, there's plenty capable guys. How about all the class of 2023 linemen? I think Javen Williams can play right away. I think Alex Birchmeyer can play right away too. So best offensive line overall from just the starting five and the backups behind them as well. Someone else I do want to mention, Nick Dawkins is going to be back from injury too. Uh, and they have a lot of praise for him and how he's developed. And then the studs on defense, you know, Manny Diaz coming back as the coordinator, but you have Kalen and Kobe King who are playmakers. You have playmakers. You don't just have guys that, you know, know they're, they know what they're doing. You have guys that make plays on the football. They fly around the field, sideline to sideline. Abdul Carter fits that definition perfectly. Zachy Wheatley is going to move into a stronger role could I, I expect him to start in that Jair Brown spot where he's basically the center fielder. He knows how to make plays on the football. I think Penn state will have even more interceptions next season and then providing pressure on the pass uh, for um, opponents. Zane Durant at defensive tackle chop Robinson, but this is the catch. And this is where it's important for Penn state to truly take that next step because they need veteran leaders and Curtis Jacobs and Adisa Isaac have to return for Penn State. They still have time to decide between now. This episode is going up uh, Thursday, January 5th, 2023. So this can change in a matter of about 11 days because the, the day to declare for the draft is Monday, January 16th of this year. And if Jacobs and Adisa Isaac say, you know, we want to go to the NFL, I don't blame them. They have all the talent in the world, but I think coming back for another year, they they instantly become superstars. You have two much needed veterans. I'm not talking, you You don't just want them. You need them back because Adisa Isaac is a starting defensive end. Curtis Jacobs is a starting linebacker. And how do you replace two starters in offseason when the transfer portal's already begun to move? Getting them back would, uh, basically, those are two captains right there. Uh, nothing left to be said about that. You get two veterans in both rooms, and I think they can just boost their draft stock. Uh, there benefits all the way around from the, the players boosting the team and then the players boosting their draft pro profiles for 2024 if they feel like they need it. Uh, Adisa Isaac, we saw him really find his groove again in the Rose Bowl, and he had a good season. But it started to really come together. Those Rose Bowl practices and then the game itself really helped. And, and, and Curtis Jacobs, I mean, he was the off-ball linebacker, moved over to the weak side, and then moved back to the strong side to allow Abdul Carter to play on the field. And, and that's just tr uh, truly a, a player's player, a pro's pro. It, it really doesn't get any better when a guy like that can take one for the team, but also by moving to another side of the formation and moving to a position that uh, wasn't his and saying so that we can get the best guys on the field at all times. Play, play them wherever you need them. So those are takeaways one and two. Uh, takeaway number three from the Rose Bowl, Penn State is a top eight team in the country, and the lack of the college football playoff is a shame. 
I know it, it's expanding in 2024, the 2024-25 season. I get that. I can't wait. I know college football fans in general can't wait for this. However, it still sucks that they couldn't <laughs> get into a playoff type of format. I mean, Penn State, number 11 in the country, beat number eight Utah. And I, I'd i say they're seventh, honestly, like concrete. Uh, Alabama and Tennessee might be too tough of a competition for them. And then the college football playoff t- teams themselves, TCU, Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and, and Ohio State did beat Penn State. So they're, those six teams are better than Penn State. But I'd say they're locked in at number seven. We saw UCL, USC lose to Tulane. And Penn State, I think, would slide into that spot. That's where they're going to finish in in all the rankings. But they never got that chance to prove they belonged with the best. And that's what that 12-team format is supposed to do. An expanded college football playoff would have done that. And come to think of it, they would have actually played number eight Utah on the road in the opening round, which, which would have been which would have been cool. You know, the Rose Bowl, the traditional Rose Bowl uh, was a lot of fun. And, and the atmosphere is great, but I, I really can't wait for that 12 team playoff and to go on the road. It, it would have been a different challenge. It, it really would have been a different beast to handle. Uh, and I think Penn state still comes out on top, um, but definitely playing in a hostile road environment in a college football playoff setting would have been different, especially with the first time that nobody has that 12 team playoff experience. Uh, Number four, and this is where we will wrap up the first segment before we get into my next four takeaways from the Rose Bowl. Sean Clifford really had quite the ending to his career. Uh, It's storybook, fairy tale. I I don't think Hollywood producers could have written something better. Rose Bowl MVP, 16 of 22, 279 yards and two touchdown passes. And the highest single game rating, uh, 209.3 of the season. That was his best period. He also had the best PFF grade out of bowl games in in terms of quarterbacks. Uh, Longest touchdown in Rose Bowl history with the 88-yard pass to Keandre Lambert-Smith. And now everybody loves him. (laughs) I, I, you know, I... I think it's interesting how full circle it comes. You know, everybody hates on him, hates on him. And then he has the one game and it feels like everybody else, everyone can forgive him for all the, all the bad that he's done. I don't, I don't know. Um, you can be fair. You can be critical of players. I know that drew Aller's going to make mistakes next season. Um, but I, I just think that it, it, I just find it very interesting that Sean Clifford needed uh, just had this game. And now everything's uh, everything's fine. Everything's all great. Um, but it was quite the journey for Clifford. And, and this is where I want to, in 2020 and 2021, those seasons, uh, they define him ultimately, but there were a lot of bad circumstances. Had it not been for 2020 and, and the COVID season and the bad start for Penn State, that team was expected to contend for the Big Ten at least be up there with Ohio state and they didn't. And there was a lot of outside emotional factors that people don't talk about enough when it comes to that season. Uh, but the coaching staff and the players won't make excuses. They went four and five and Sean Clifford was lackluster. And then last season undefeated, they're going into Iowa. They were up 14 and the injury happens. And Sean Clifford's never really the same until that Michigan snowy Michigan state game later on in the year. And then you lose a lot of your players in the bowl game and you end the season on a losing note. Uh, But I think if he had the seasons he was projected to have along with those Penn state teams, 
Sean would have been one of the most respected quarterbacks in Penn State history. I'm not saying the best. I'm saying one of the most respected. Um, and, and I hope that's the case because he's you're going to see his name forever because he owns all the records and he's the winningest quarterback in Penn State history. Well, let's step aside here on Locked On Nittany Lines. When we come back, the next four takeaways, including the Rose Bowl. I don't know that it feels as great as it did, and this is what got some people riled up in yesterday's episode. Let's discuss next. Today's episode is sponsored by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season, championships coming up to basketball. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks again for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. That is Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Zach Seiko. Teased it out of the first segment. Penn State's Rose Bowl win. It just doesn't have the same feeling as it could have been. And, and I want to explain this because it got people pretty upset. I mean, this first, this was a much needed win for James Franklin because it, it feels like he's collecting all the infinity stones like Thanos with the bowl games that he's racked up. Now, the Big Ten title, the Fiesta Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, and now the Rose Bowl. He's won four of these big games, big game James. And people say, well, he can't win the big game. Uh, I think he has the resume to say otherwise. But I, this is where I want to explain things further because it's fair of me to say that I wanted a more competitive game. I'm all for a Penn State win. I, I am. But beating an off-the-bench, ice-cold Bryson Barnes as the backup quarterback of Utah is not the same as beating a healthy Cam Rising. And it was 14 to 14 at halftime. And until Cam Rising went out, Penn State didn't dominate. The chips were there. The dominoes were in place to fall over for Penn State to ultimately get the victory. And I never said that. I never said that Utah, if Cam Rising had stayed in, Utah would have definitely won or come from behind. They would have made it more competitive. I could have seen a result like a 31 to 24 or even a 31-28 where Utah gets that late score, but Penn State's clearly out in front. My prediction was 31-20. to 20. But Penn State didn't take over until Cam Rising went out. Five of their six sacks came against Barnes, the backup quarterback. Uh, Rising was having a solid overall game, and I, don't, I just don't think my comments were that controversial yesterday, but I, I felt it, it was time to, you know, to, to un help people understand them, help anyone that uh, misunderstood them by chance. Uh, Penn State was the better team. I, I don't. I don't think that they weren't. Uh, I just wish for a more competitive game. Um, it, it's nice to get that Penn State win, but I know it could have been that much back and forth and so much more historic if Cam Rising had stayed in because he was the life force of that Utah team. And, and that's takeaway number six. So takeaway number five is that Penn State's Rose Bowl win feels like it could have been so much better. Uh, and because Utah is just nothing without Cam Rising. 
I, I never, I, I don't think I've seen, I've seen very few teams in college that at least in the past five years or so that are so determined by uh, one player and he provided that spark for the team and it was a noticeable difference. Uh, the team seemed a little lackluster. They were pedestrian on both offense and defense. And I got a few comments saying, well, I didn't know Cam Rising played defense. Okay, yeah, uh, Penn State scored 35 points on them. But uh, here's the counter to that. When your offense is out there, your quarterbacks making plays, extending drives, evading Penn State's blitzes and pressure, and, and just giving them headaches, that's going to inspire the defense to play a little bit of better football. When the offense goes out there, three and out, Penn State gets a sack. They are punt, forced to punt on fourth and 20. And then your defense has got to go back out there. And they're like, oh, man, this, this is not good. He extended the drives. He allowed the defense to rest and strategize on the sideline for a good period of time. And, and you just lost that. You lost a veteran leader. And he was out of it. The team was out of it. But so be it. You know, Penn State capitalized on it. They, they're they a good team. They smell blood in the water, and they took advantage of it. So they kicked Utah while the team was down. My seventh takeaway from the Rose Bowl is that Nicholas Singleton needs to be a Heisman favorite next year. I, I It's Caleb Williams is going to be since he just won. That's the USC quarterback. But you got to think about this for a moment. Nicholas Singleton uh, is going to have quite the offseason here and become – he's already becoming – that all around back, the size, the, the blazing speed. Like he's just, he, he's a racer. He's a runner vision balance. I always criticized Singleton early on because it felt like he was getting tackled immediately. Like he couldn't handle contact and, and now look at him. Uh, he can block, you can keep him in there on third downs and, and he's got that balanced attack with Catron Allen and he can catch out of the backfield. I think that's something he'll work on a little more uh, in the off season and we'll see an improvement by the blue and white game, but he's got it all. And, and he's, he'll be, I don't think he should be a dark horse. I think he should be one of the first guys that people name and Vegas has some of the lowest odds on uh, that's my expectation and uh, what they should be doing. Uh, last but not least, takeaway number eight, Keandre Lambert Smith is ready to take over as wide receiver number one. And can we just stop for a second and have an appreciation for Keandre Lambert Smith? Because he had quite the game, not only from the statistical standpoint, I mean, three catches, 124 yards, the 88 yard touchdown, which is the longest in Rose Bowl history. But if you remember, okay, so that Utah player gets on the sideline, right? Loses his towel. Who is that Utah player? That is Solomon Enos, Curtis Enos's son. And Penn State fans remember Curtis Enos. Keandre Lambert-Smith took his towel and just chucked it into the stands. That was number one. Number two was scoring the touchdown. And then what Keandre Lambert-Smith did after he scored the touchdown, which upset James, but I think he's going to forgive him because they ultimately won the game. Keandre Lambert-Smith was faking a hamstring injury in the end zone. And it's like, Oh man, he, I, I was fooled. I got faked out by it. Um, but it was him celebrating the touchdown, faking the injury. Uh, so, and, and Keandre Lambert Smith had a funny reaction on the sidelines saying, you know, what is a Ute? I don't even know what a Ute is. And, and then uh, broke the symbol, broke the symbol down. And that's something that Penn state was doing all games. So Keandre Lambert Smith was feeling himself in the Rose bowl. Uh, 
he's become Clifford's favorite target at the end of the season here. If we're talking a little more football logistics versus Michigan state, five catches, 83 yards and, and Clifford's final touchdown at Beaver stadium, Clifford's final touchdown of his career in the Rose bowl, uh, led the team in receiving with 124 yards. As I mentioned, uh, he battled through injuries because I think he would have been more uh, of a complimentary player and maybe even taken over in some games. He had a good game against Purdue, but then he got banged up and he kind of just disappeared, but he worked his way back. He was the best receiver against Michigan state. He was the best receiver against Utah in the Rose bowl. He was praised for his hard work in Rose bowl practices. Like he was one of the standouts if they had to give out an MVP award. He will be the veteran in the room next year. He's going to be the leader, even with the transfers coming in with those wide receivers. Penn State just got the transfer for Devin Carter from NC State. Keandre Lambert-Smith is going to be looked to as the guy to be the face of the wide receiver room. So uh, people have been expecting him to reach his potential, and I think he's finally turning the corner here. And as Locked on Nittany Lions, the takeaway episode from the Rose Bowl, eight takeaways. Comment your takeaway, your favorite takeaway from the Rose Bowl about Penn State uh, down in the comments section. Uh, but for our final segment, Penn State men's basketball fresh off of a loss against Michigan. Let's discuss that one next. Today's episode is sponsored by Built. Are you looking for a de delicious treat, but you don't want all of the fat and calories? Then you've got to try a Built Bar. We've just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. And if you're like me, where you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then I've just got the thing for you, and it's built. It's a built bar. With built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. It's perfect for your New Year's resolution. Now, what makes built bars so good? Well, for starters, they've... They're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably tasty flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Bill does it. I'm really not. Uh, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and wh a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. And now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. Welcome back to Locked on Nittany Lines. My name is Zach Seiko. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Nittany. You can follow myself at Zach underscore Seiko. And don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel and 600 subscribers. That's incredible. I appreciate it. Right after the Rose Bowl and funny story, actually, uh, JT from Locked on Utes. We got to help uh, each other out on the Lockdown Podcast Network. He was the 600th subscriber, and it came after the Rose Bowl. So we met the goal a little behind, but appreciate JT, and I appreciate all of you for listening wherever you get your podcasts and watching on YouTube, and I hope that you continue to. Penn State men's basketball losing to Michigan 79-69. to Now that puts Penn State 11-4 overall, 2-2 two two in the Big Ten. So an even start, and this was the big test. Literally the big test because we know Hunter Dickinson standing at what 
seven foot two, seven foot three. How would they handle a player like him, a Michigan team that is just so much bigger than them? And honestly, that wasn't the story of the game. You would think that Hunter Dickinson would have had 20 points, 20 rebounds. Not the case. Penn State was barely out-rebounded, 37 to 35. And then a lot of criticism comes from allowing opponents to have a bunch of offensive rebounds, even though Penn State's pretty good at cleaning up the glass defensively. Only 7 to 5 in that category. And Dickinson, he did get his points. He had 17 points, but only 6 rebounds, and he was 6 for 10 from the field. So uh, had his way shooting uh, inside, but I thought in terms of what could have been, I think Penn State did its job defensively, but maybe that was a distraction because the Wolverines dominated in other categories. They shot better from three-point range, 42% to Penn State's 32%. Uh, they drew a lot of shooting fouls. They went to the line and shot 25 free throws. That That's way too many from the, the stripe. And they also protected the basketball. I, I don't know that Penn State's defense did a whole uh, – whole lot or enough to pressure them only three turnovers and Penn state turned the ball over eight times. So that is why Michigan ultimately won, not because they had the height of the monsters from space jam and Penn state uh, were the little looney tunes trying to out rebound them. Uh, but I can say they definitely need Michael Jordan's secret sauce. If they were going to win this game, Jalen Pickett, uh, he's unreal. I, I think he needs to be a contender for big 10 player of the year. And he needs to be in the all America conversation. He uh, is, everything to this Penn state team right now, 26 points, nine rebounds. He's a guard. Mind you, he's the point guard, nine rebounds and four assists and only two turnovers. Uh, Seth Lundy uh, looks great. Doesn't look like any injuries bothering him. 16 points uh, and shot well from the field. And they went on some scoring runs. I was surprised because if you kept up with this game and you watched this game, you saw that Michigan would jump out in front by a lot. Uh, the biggest lead that Michigan had was 15. And, and Penn State was able to erase that, even though they did lose by 10 points and lost by double digits. One moment, Penn State's down by a dozen. Next moment, they're within two. So Penn State... Hard-fought game, but it, it just ultimately wasn't enough because you go on these scoring runs, and that's supposed to swing the momentum, but Michigan was always able to respond. Now, up next for uh, the Nittany Lions, they got to go to the Palestra. They, some people call it the Mecca for college basketball, and I, I don't blame them. Number one, Purdue and Penn State are going to meet this Sunday, and tip-off is set for 6 p.m. Penn State and, and Purdue's number one, but they did lose to Rutgers the second year in a row that Rutgers has upset a, a top-ranked Purdue team. Uh, so that number one ranking is not going to hold because of the game against Rutgers, but uh, Purdue still a top-five team in the country. And once again, here we go. So Hunter Dickinson with Michigan, and now you have Zach Eady with Purdue. How is Penn State truly going to respond to one of the biggest men in college basketball at seven foot six, Zach Eady? Uh, it might have his way, but how is Penn State going to counter that? Because they're not going to be able to stop him. They're only going to be able to limit him. And, and I'm eager to see how they respond to that test. Now, of course, coming up on Locked on Nittany Lines, we have more news on Penn State football and the transfer portal. Penn State getting Devin Carter at an NC State. We'll have an update on him and some other guys that they're still trying to bring in and who they've offered and who is close to committing and transferring over to Happy Valley. And which guys have they lost? out on we're going to talk about that more coming up on locked on nittany lions but of course before i let you go thanks again for making locked on nittany lions your first listen every day 
But make sure you check out our brand new podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, and that is Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place, plus hear from big names, experts, insiders, coaches, players, you name it. Locked On College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.